If I speak in the tongues of men or angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I'm nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to the hardship that I may boast, but don't have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It doesn't boast. It's not proud. It doesn't dishonor others, and it's not self-seeking it's not easily angered it keeps no recording for wrong love does not delight in evil but rejoices in truth it always protects always trusts always hopes always preserves love never fails Welcome to Solomon's Knot, finding truth and wisdom in an information age. SK welcomes back our most downloaded guest contributor and university student, Harold Silva. In this episode, we'll be discussing the ultra-popular TV series, The Chosen, including New Testament discussions, trans and LGBTQA issues, and a host of topics that are affecting students in the campus and people in the prevailing culture. So, without further delay, let's get to our guest. All right, guys, got a special guest back on the show. You guys know him. His name is Harold Silva. I think he's currently the most popular viewed guest. So Harold, for those who aren't familiar, we previously did talks on evolutionary theory, student life, including sin, salvation, issues of immorality in the culture. So for some reason, man, people like hearing your voice. I don't know. Do you have anything to respond just on that comment alone? Honestly, I don't know why so many people listen to my episodes. There are so many better guests on your show and i don't like the sound of my own voice i sound like i'm 12 every time i hear myself getting recorded so like i don't know what's up with that there's some things that we can master and post and there's other things that they're just there for the glory of god all right so we have a pretty uh pretty exciting show here you know every time we interview i feel like i have to one up it man the first time we did evolutionary theory and student life during covid and just like general thoughts and people were going crazy and then i was like okay i was reading some articles about the hyper sexuality and the culture. And I was like, yeah, I could get some expert or, you know, try to reach out to people and get some analysis. But I was like, no, I want to reach out to Harold and see what, because you're just raw, man. You just call it the way it is. And I think for this episode, we had like kind of a theme we were running with. I know we wanted to like unpack the word and get in the gospels more and we will. Uh, but then in the pre-interview, we're like, hey, like I want to talk about the Chosen series, a really, really popular show, even just for people that don't know anything about the Bible or the history behind the New Testament or Old Testament. It's a fantastic series and it's like half a billion views currently and it's like global. So yeah, we'll, we'll talk about The Chosen. We'll talk about some other things. Anything you want to talk about or you just want to kind of go for it? Honestly, I'll let you, you know, guide us in what we're going to talk about because me, like those past episodes, I don't even remember recording them that specifically. I just like rambled pretty much. But I am open to talk about The Chosen because I have seen the first two seasons. I have yet to see the third one because I want to binge it all. All right. So can you just do this? Can you catch up our viewers on what is the chosen? Like, how did it come into the popular culture? And uh, yeah, just kind of sum it up. I mean, we'll put links in the show notes, but like, how did you first hear about that and catch us up with how that all came to be for you? Didn't I tell you about the show? I probably told you about the show. Uh, yes, you did recommend me the chosen uh, back when we first started hanging out. I was like, I've heard of it because I saw like an ad on YouTube about it. And I thought this is probably like another like pure flick ads. But like... <laughs> <laughs> but, um, Christians don't even want to watch pure flicks. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, I just thought it was a pure flick stuff. But I was just there like, oh, okay, cool. Let's, let's, see, let's see if it works. But then you recommended me and I was like, okay, let me look into it just for you. Yeah. And then I was like, basically what The Chosen is, is like Dallas Jenkins, who if I remember correctly, is the son of Jerry Jenkins, the writer of the Left Behind book series. Yeah, for younger people that weren't around, like that was a really, really popular book series. Talked about end times, you know, and what that looks like. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, the books are pretty beloved by, uh, I've seen the Kirk Cameron's movies. They were pretty good. It's a shame that it does end it in the third one, but it is what it is. Anyway, basically Dallas Jenkins is, you know, the son of the Left Behind writer, and he's now making his own show. For any of you who have not heard his story about it, basically he was a movie director. He was behind the Red Elephant Room, if you ever heard about that, which was basically about pastors and different doctors debating one another. That eventually lasted like one season, I think, because um it was too wild, but they should bring it back in my opinion. So like, that was his earlier start, but then later on um he was making movies and all, and he made one movie i forgot what it was called but apparently it flopped like yeah, hit a bottom yeah at rock bottom he started praying about it on like what's going on and he just he came up with the idea of like what if he made a multi-season show about the life of our lord and savior jesus christ real quick can you explain how is the show unique from maybe other renditions of the story of the bible like history channel or maybe even some of the blockbuster movies out there the passion like what is unique about the chosen and how does it connect maybe with the culture honestly there are two big factors that came to mind when hearing that question like high scores from on tomatoes and imdb that right there begs the question of what you're asking basically the reason i think for me it obeyed all the basic rules of storytelling and that alone made it better than most christian shows because here's the thing about the chosen it talks about the story of jesus christ and what other story is the most powerful and impacting story than the story of the son of god coming down to earth to save the broken galaxy dead in sin and to give it life what story is more valuable than that and i think that's why the chosen is so beautiful because it obeys basic storytelling and allows the gospel to make the impact and don't get me wrong the message is important but if you don't write a good story the message will be ignored the reason so many of these woke films fail is not just because people reject the message but simply because the story is not good like it doesn't back up the message yeah so this is important there's something within the narrative of the bible of the gospels the life of christ even what was happening around him in that time the lives of the disciples that connects with the human heart those archetypes that you see that play out that movies try to touch on but they always leave you short i love that it doesn't get political you don't find these like in star wars and other movies where they kind of like take that little quick sidestep and like try to dive into like a culturally sensitive issue that is relevant even if it takes place in a dystopian society or some type of parallel galaxy universe what the chosen does is it kind of really does stay within the story and i love that you can tell the story without having an ulterior agenda and the reason why i think it connects and so powerful is because the story is the word of god it is the agenda it is the story that every other story submits to so in wrapping up what are your final thoughts on just maybe the chosen would you recommend this to students i 100 would recommend it to family members of students like i've shown it to a family member myself and i think the reason that right itself is powerful is because it literally just studied the history it added world building to it basically it's like the history of rome the history of the jewish occupation and it flushed it all out so that way it's not just words on a text now you can actually see this is how the jewish people once lived this is their tradition this is where his ministry was because he himself was jewish sorry kanye but jesus was jewish and he did preach the gospel to the jews what was so powerful about the chosen is that 
each character, Jesus, Mary Magdalene, Mary Mother of Jesus, Peter, Juan, John, excuse me, Spanish, <laughs> James. Um, Jesus. Yeah, Jesus. Basically, what's so powerful about it is that each character, they're obeying basic tenets of story building. Each one has their own personality, their own likes and dislikes, and their own backstory to them. Yeah, I really want to touch on this is what we don't always see in the Bible is that these people that Jesus interacted with, his disciples, his friends, they were very real and relatable. And I love even the directors, the screenwriters, they never dethrone Christ. They don't limit Christ in his authority, but you get this very relatable human feel of Christ that you just don't see in any other rendition, whether in popular media, other series they've done. Uh, even The Passion of the Christ, like very pious, very like, it's just- In defense of right. that movie, right. Passion of the Christ, it was basically about the last three days of Jesus' yeah. life. So did it have time to show yeah. his, his so, human sides? I guess really if I had to sum it up, watch a few episodes. Don't just stop at the first few. It is a little slow when it builds up and just really connect with what is happening in the lives of the disciples in the tensions that they're having and see if you can't relate to those characters in one way shape or another and then i would probably say if you, when you binge watch the first season and the second season and you're waiting anticipating for each episode to drop on season three i'm not going to get into the particulars in that i would say then read the gospels Amen. and acts yeah. And do the comparison. What we see is that people are coming to saving faith, I think, on a journey with this show being a catalyst. And so that's what I encourage you guys. Watch it. Connect with it. Have fun. I think, I mean, I, there's times where you're crying. There's times where you're laughing. There's times where you're just like on the edge. And it's pretty fantastic. And it's really hard to do a new thing when you're talking about the most sacred stories ever. And so like, how do we portray Christ to a generation that is absorbed in technology and media while being relatable and biblically faithful? I think they mastered it. I really did. Anything you want to add to that before we close out the segment? Yeah, honestly, just to sum up like what they did to Jesus in a world where in our modern context today, we are always fighting on what love is. What the chosen does miraculously, it shows that Jesus is love. They showed the love Jesus had for his fellow humans. And we all need to remember Jesus is love because we forget what love is sometimes. And love is compassion, but it's also justice. It's strength, but it's also humility. It's courage, but also kindness. Now, you might be asking yourself, wait, if it's about Jesus, why is most of the show focusing on the disciples around him? Mostly because it wants you to remember that when Jesus was choosing his disciples, he didn't choose the most holy of holies. Like, for example, let's pick two of his disciples, Simon the Zealot and Matthew the Tax Collector. These were two of his disciples. One of them wrote one of the books in the Bible. Both of them died brutal deaths for Jesus. Why am I these examples? Well, Matthew the Tax Collector was basically a traitor to his own people. He was collecting taxes from the Jewish to give to the Romans. And profiting richly off that. Yeah. Simon the Zealot was terrorist. Be like the equivalent of a jihadist, essentially, for the Jewish faith. Yeah. And you're seeing people get redemption. And what's interesting is you not only see how Christ interacts with them, but you're seeing how their hearts change. And I think what's powerful is that people's hearts change when they watch this. I'm not going to say, hey, look at the fruit of the show and just the past few years and the ratings and the spread and all that other stuff. You know, I think the evidence is in the quality and the content and the source of where it's derived. If it's just an original story, there's nothing wrong. Star Wars is an incredible story. The screen 
screenwriting, the plays. I mean, I just watched the Obi-Wan series not that long ago. Pretty good. Grogu's so cute. I love Mandalorian. Yeah, like the Mandalorian is an incredible story. But what's interesting, I think those stories are so powerful is because the archetypes, the hero archetypes, the redemptive aspects of the lives of the people, whether you're talking about Obi-Wan, whether you're talking about the Mandalorian, whether you're talking about even Darth Vader and his heart change, the, the father-son relationship there, all those are based on biblical realities. And I would say even the realities of our existence and our humanity, there's something fundamental. And I talk about Jordan Peterson a lot on the show, but the reason why the stories of the Bible are so true and so powerful is because the stories themselves talk about something deeper within our soul. They are touching on the human experience in a way that no other story does. If you're absorbing things in the media that aren't really giving you life or meaning or understanding or just joy because there's a lot of crazy stuff out there. I mean, gosh, how many times have we watched something and put it down? And it's like, why well, did I even waste two hours of my life watching that? I've not met a single person ever, saved or unsaved, that has watched the show and said, yep, wasted my life, wasted that two hours or five hours, whatever. What I see is, and I think the proof is in the pudding, people are getting completely transformed, not watching a TV show, but engaging with these stories that just draw you into this meta story that is the truth, is the spirit of God. Yeah, pretty much. To understand the chosen, you just have to remember that it's about how Jesus affected people. And when you watch the show, I just hope you guys remember that all those people, they understand how messed up they were. For example, Peter, when Jesus told him to follow him, he said, just go away. I'm too sinful for you. But even then, Jesus was like, you're loved. Or Mary Magdalene, who's a prostitute. So many people, you know, they understood that they were lost. Because Jesus, in his unfailing love, said, I'm here and I will guide you to something better. And for anyone here, if you're watching The Chosen and then you saw how Jesus affected all those people in the show, just know to yourself that he can do the same for you. You're never too far gone when you're still living. And things can always change in an instant. But the Lord Jesus Christ saves the one way to salvation through him. So more importantly than diving into the show, dive into the word. Learn about it. If you don't know where to start, start with the book of Matthew. Start with the Gospels. I think that's the big takeaway from all this. All right. So maybe transitioning into this next section. I really didn't have a theme to work with here. I Normally, we just kind of already have something to run with, and then there's a lot of preparation. But we covered just so many topics. Gosh, like we talked about a lot of things in the show. I know whenever you show up, Harold, like so many amazing things happen and conversations come up organically. So, you know, maybe we'll just transition right into the New Testament or the Bible and maybe just what Chosen we just talked about. Yeah, like what I mean, what are you learning? Is there anything that you felt like, I think you just recently read all the Gospels and Acts? You know, what, what's stuck out at you. Uh, what do you want to talk about, man? You, you want to start preaching? I mean, we don't really have anything. We're just going to ramble. So sorry, guys. You have to suck with another like 30 minutes of me just rambling. Basically, the last few days, I've been reading all four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I had questions for some passages. I had questions to answer for other passages. I was reminded of some things. I learned new things. It was actually a great experience just learning, just reading the Word, just being filled up and fed like that. It was awesome. What was it about maybe reading it this go around? Was there certain things and like themes or was it like the parables? What was on your heart? Maybe this go around. Honestly, I don't know, because like there are so many things from the Gospels, from Jesus being born to Jesus doing miracles to so many other lessons. You can just sit there and just think, wow, there's so much to talk about from just four books of the Bible. Like, for example, most people don't know this, but John chapter seven, the first few verses, verse two, 
But soon it was time for the Jewish festival of the shelters. And Jesus' brothers said to him, Leave here and go to Judea where your followers can see your miracles. You can't become famous if you hide like this. If you can do such wonderful things, show yourself to the world. John chapter 7 verse 2 to 4 on NLT. I'm not good at reading, so I'm just going to summarize what I just read. There was a festival coming up soon, and Jesus decided not to go, but some of his brothers were telling him, go, man. If you're doing all these good things, just go. So from those passages, what can you take away? Jesus had brothers. Most people don't know that. They just think Jesus was the only child of Mary and Joseph, but not. They had kids after Jesus as well. I think one of them is actually James. After Jesus' resurrection, became one of the big who sent the message. Right. So not to be confused, so these are his natural family, but Jesus was born of God. So the Holy Spirit supernaturally impregnates Mary incarnationally. Jesus is fully man. He's a human being, but his father is God. And this is what fundamentally separates him from every other human being. He has brothers and sisters. Those are his natural family, not his heavenly family. And he actually does draw a distinction between this because later we find out the Pharisees, the religious teachers in the crowds, tried to use their family against him. And they basically said, hey, your family is with us, with the temple, with the religious traditions, but why aren't you? And then Jesus explains to them. He says, these are my brothers and sisters. He's talking about his disciples. You you go ahead and read it. Yeah. Matthew 12, verse 46, NOT. As Jesus, our Lord and Savior, was speaking to the crowd, his mother and brothers stood outside, asking to speak to him. Someone told Jesus, your mother and your brothers are standing outside. They want to speak to you. Jesus answered, who is my mother and who is my brother? He pointed to his disciples and said, look, these are my mother and brothers. Anyone who is in the will of my father in heaven is my mother and my brother. Right. And this is so key is for those listening, when you are born again, And there's so many different factors there, but essentially when you acknowledge Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, as your God, your standard of truth and reality, the word says that you become born again or born above. We essentially become part of this royal lineage. Like if you think about the king and queen in England, that's royalty. They're still human beings. They still sleep and eat, but there's distinction in terms of their prestige. Like they're not just going to surround themselves with anyone. And this is part of what Jesus talks about about the narrow path. When you start following Christ and you start identifying with Christ, believing what the word of God is saying, then you realize, well, my identity is no longer in my earthly self, in my earthly family, my traditions, my ethnicity, what I do, my career. I mean, just name it. Your identity is now in Christ. And this has been spanning for eternity. You see this narrative unfold. It unfolds to the Jewish people. And then obviously when Christ comes into the scene, into the mix, that's when there's this shift where the Holy Spirit then starts engaging and basically drawing in people of all different nationalities and backgrounds. So it doesn't matter what religion, what ethnicity, what background you come from. This isn't just for people that grew up in church or maybe even you're Jewish and you're hearing this message and you're like, well, no, we know what the word of God says. Maybe you're Muslim. No, we have the inspired word. The point is that Jesus came into reality. And so now we have to examine what was said about him, how that fundamentally changed everything in that part of the world. That's what we're talking about. And what does Jesus say? Neither Jew nor Greek, all have to repent, all fall short of the glory of God. Anyway, go ahead. What do you want to say? In the beginning, the word already existed. The word was with God 
and the word was God. He existed in the beginning of the world and he existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him and nothing was created except through him. The word gave life to everything that he created and he brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it. First John, to add on to what Brother Jason here was saying, God, Jesus is the word and the gospels perfectly explain who Jesus was, what he did and his impact, especially the book of John. The word in Greek means logos, right? So the word is not just the written words in the book. The word is the spirit and power behind the words. And the word is Christ. And so to kind of maybe break this down like in a visual, water can be a liquid, a solid, and a gas. It's the same elements, but there's three different forms of it. So Jesus, the incarnation, the physical embodiment of God in a man, right, which we then as humans can identify with. This is how God's order and his creation was set, is that he wanted to have a relational connection with his creation. But God is also the Father, the Lord in heaven. No one has ever seen the Father except Christ. But then there's also the Spirit. Even in the Genesis account, the Spirit hovered over the water. So the Spirit was involved in creation. We see the Spirit falling on people in the Old Testament, David, prophets, certain individuals. But the Spirit of God was always present. And then New Testament, the New Covenant basically explains when Christ comes into the world, the Logos is actually the Spirit of God, the Word itself, Amen. the truth, the ultimate reality, the highest form of understanding and experience that we can perceive with our understanding. Go ahead. Basically, to sum up with Jason, it was well said, Jason, to sum up what you're saying, when Jesus was on earth, he was in the Father and the Father was in him. And in the same way, thanks to Jesus and to his sacrifice and his resurrection and his ascension, for those who believe, we are in the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit is in us. Amen. You know, we talked a little bit about the Gospels and, you know, obviously the Chosen series covers the Gospel accounts primarily. I think they're going to cover a little bit of Acts too. But a lot of the New Testament is actually epistles. They're letters that the Apostle Paul had wrote to various churches, groups of Jewish believers who had gotten saved. And so these letters have profound significance and they still still speak to the human heart. I mean, we talked about Romans in the past episode on evil or in past episodes on the gospel. He also writes to various churches, and these churches are in provinces in different parts of Turkey, Rome, and the surrounding regions. So what is the significance of the New Testament for someone that's just like, hey, I grew up hearing this, or you know what, I have friends that are Christian, or yeah, you know what, I don't really, I never really looked in the weeds. I just know about the, isn't the, the Bible just about Jesus and like all this old wispy stuff and thousands of years ago? floods and dinosaurs, all that. Okay, look, the New Testament, the New Covenant is basically like Christ forward. So for the past 2,000 years, an event happened in a part of the world that is still today lot of tension, Israel, surrounding nations, Egypt, Syria, Palestine. But what happened in this part of the region fundamentally changed the center of civilization. I mean, Rome was the most dominant power of the world. And what's crazy is it also shifted in the period of a century or two from polytheism to monotheism. That's another incredible transformation because for thousands of years, polytheism was very strong. Can you just briefly explain who the Apostle Paul was, maybe some of these epistles, these letters, the churches, 
verses and briefly touch on maybe some of the prophetic stuff. You know, what did even Jesus talk about in the book of Matthew about the times that I think we're living out right now? Is there anything you, you wanted to talk about? Like Matthew, Mark, Luke, and maybe John as well all talk about Jesus foreshadowing that soon the end of the world will come. Just as he was killed, resurrected, and he went to heaven. At first book of Acts, in chapter one, two angels came up to everyone who saw him and was like, hey, he's coming back one day. And Matthew, it says the son of man will return in glory, split everyone into left and right, sheep and goats. One side he says, come home, child. You made it. Come to heaven. And the other side, down to the lake of fire. And if anything, the gospel, not only does it still apply to all of us, but the stakes are still present in all of our lives. Like, if anyone here is wondering um, that this world is the most messed up it could be, and like, we as humans are the most messed up as we ever been, just know that like, the past has been equally as messed up as the present. Jesus himself, when he was in the world and people asked him for a sign, he himself called it a wicked and perverse generation. But um, it really is just because sin, we all fall short of God and whether we're struggling or we just, we're not even trying, we don't obey God's law perfectly. It's not that this world is a punishment for that. It's that this is what ha- naturally happens when you leave God. When you dishonor God and don't obey, the world just naturally goes, goes to poo-poo. <laughs> But literally, Jesus is the way that the truth and the life that comes by and fixes everything. And I am fully convinced that if the gospel can't fix this thing, nothing can fix it. So that's what the gospels are all about. And then what comes after are the book of Acts, which tells a story about how Jesus' apostles struggled, but kept going on to spread the good news of Jesus Christ and salvation. And then after that, came out a bunch of letters and ends of a book of prophecy of Revelation. Most of these letters was written by one person called Paul. He was originally saw Basically, Saul of Tarsus was a hardcore Jew. He was taught vehemently about his Judaism and he loved it and clinged on to it preciously. And when he saw Jesus and his critiques of it and how his disciples were spreading his message, he did not like it. He stood by and affirmed the stoning of the first martyr, Stephen. And then he himself went on for like a year or maybe even more, killing Jesus' disciples, believers, throwing them into prison. And he was going to continue until one day he was going to do his his little slaughter in Damascus and then the son of God himself was like Saul why are you doing this when Saul saw Jesus everything changed after he regained his sight he knew I've been doing this wrong for so long and honestly even though Saul was killing some of Jesus' own apostles Jesus still loved him it's like you can still honor me in your life Okay, this is where I want to pause right here because maybe from someone who's more skeptical or who hasn't experienced this before. So wait a second. This man was allowed to just persecute and murder people and then God forgave him and that's somehow justified. You know, and that's the argument for the Crusades. That's the argument for all these different religious fanatic groups out there doing things. Here's the thing. Because Christ is the highest law and highest morals and ethic, because he's Lord and he's sovereign, the way that he redeems people from the vantage point of an unsaved or maybe just a worldly perspective that borrows on biblical truth and morality, it's going to look unjust. You're going to say, well, this person got forgiveness from God, therefore they're just allowed to do whatever they want. They don't have to answer for their past transgressions. It's not what we're saying. In fact, the Apostle Paul is kind of a notable exception in the sense of, yeah, he led persecutions. He definitely had a lot of people imprisoned and killed and all that. Look at what he was called and commissioned to do in a sense to atone for that, not that he needs to, because when you have the Holy Spirit, God already forgave you of that. But walking that out, 
What do you have to say in response to that? Even then, he still like had to suffer for Jesus as much as everyone else he made suffer. I th- if I remember correctly, some of his letters, he recognized some of the guilt and remorse he has. Like that doesn't leave someone so easily. And in his case, it, it really didn't. And even then, he was still beaten, thrown over cliffs, stoned, almost drowned, bit by a snake, and eventually died after getting his head chopped off during the reign of Emperor Nero. And I'm not saying that was his divine punishment. I'm just saying that would naturally happen when he chose to follow Jesus as a habit to almost every disciple for many reasons from disagreements from the Jewish authorities to not wanting to obey Roman law that violated their religion. This is what's important. You see that Christ comes into the world to liberate people from the very root of the problem. They're not putting their whole trust and heart into God. And from that, you see someone like Paul, who we read about in Acts, Saul was blinded by the purity and the light of Christ for three days. This was a supernatural blind. He wakes up, he has a heart change, and he gives his life to Jesus. All right, here's what I think is key. From a man that was in that position, ultra pious, he talks about this in Romans, you know, Pharisee of Pharisees, under the law, perfect Jew from the longest tribe, his teachers were the highest class. And what he says at the end of it is it amounted to nothing. All your credentials, all your degrees, all your letters, all your ethnic religio backgrounds means nothing except for Christ and Christ crucified. And look at the words that he speaks at a point when his heart was changed. I think you see it in this letter culminate. This is 1 Corinthians 13. If anyone's ever been to a wedding, they probably heard this. Actually, can you read this? 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 1. If I speak in the tongues of men or angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I'm nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to the hardship that I may boast, but don't have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It doesn't boast. It's not proud. It doesn't dishonor others and it's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no recording for wrong. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always preserves. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. But we know that in part, and we prophesy in part. But when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now, we only see a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part. Then I shall know it fully, even as I am fully known and now these three remain faith hope and love but the greatest of these is love does that sound like a man who had a heart change in a supernatural way from a violent persecutor reformer to someone that is basically expressing at the heart of all of it if you don't have love then none of the teaching the prophecies the mysteries the understanding the knowledge means anything that was powerful I mean just reading that you just remember love changes people and in Paul's case he changed completely because of love because of the love of the savior and he understood that what was most important was love that God was love and to follow God is to love others more than yourself.
Yeah, I think that's so great. I remember you opened up with that same theme of this is how we love because we listen. If we really want people to know what we believe or why we believe, they need to see an image of it. They need to see an example, a model. That's Jesus. Then they need to see that model cares about you in a personal way. You have to relate to that individual. Like you're not just going to love anybody. You're going to love people that listen and affirm and know you. They take the time to get to know you. I guess what I'm getting at is what binds us together. Is it our like interests, our common shared experience? The biggest thing that united us was that we both had a shared foundation, a shared belief that Christ died and rose for us, that Christ is the way to salvation. He can make all the pain go away. He can make everything okay. It's like the word is true when you know Jesus says, who are my brothers and my sisters and my family? It's those who do the will of the Father. And I see a young man who is doing the will of God. You are my brother in that sense. And so wonderful. Here's something that's kind of neat I didn't really think of is you said earlier that you actually listened to me, that you actually wanted to get to know me. And from the outside, your own words, you're like, there's nothing special about me. But I said, no, I see a young man, a young leader who's bold and zealous for the faith. You want to talk about the proof of the pudding is you have three times more views and engagements and impressions than any other interviewer I've had on the show. And this just goes to show you the effect, the power of our words and the word in changing human lives and changing the way that we do life with one another. All right, we'll be right back. We're going to talk about a few things, maybe just practicals for the students, maybe what life's like right now, now that we're emerging out of this post-COVID maze that we're in, and maybe just some encouragement for you know, the students in the next generation. Sound good? Yeah. The biggest thing you might want to remember is it's never too late to not surrender to Christ. Let the seed be planted in your heart. When you read the scriptures, if you're not sure, look at the evidence and you'll find the truth. Wonderful. All right, we'll take another break. If you're a student at NC State who's passionate about serving others or feeling called to the mission field, please visit IgniteGenerations.org. IgniteGen is a student organization that meets regularly on or off campus for Bible study and fellowship. Check out the show notes for more details or reach out directly through forcampus.org slash contact or visit the community page to learn how to get connected. Now, let's get back to the show. All right. So one of the first episodes we did together, we talked about, you know, what student life was like during COVID and, you know, some of the challenges that are there. Maybe as things kind of transition back to normalcy, what are you experiencing now? Or do you feel like we just really haven't gotten out of it? Or, you know, what are your thoughts, perspectives before and after? Honestly, for me, I've completely moved on from COVID. Like not on lockdown anymore. The mask, speaking more specifically on the campus, like back in my school, UNCG, we're not like super masked up. Some of us aren't even vaccinated. We don't even care. Like not to do shit anyone get vaccinated like we all moved on if anything it's like one of those things are like thank god we survived now let's not walk in fear but walk in faith you said something in that first interview that i thought was very profound you said that since the lockdowns or since the covid emerged it really kind of revealed people's true colors like where they really stood on their beliefs their values you know because it got kind of primal for a little bit you know the great toilet paper scare of 2021 and stuff but it was more just like how people responded, especially when it came to those core questions of life. Now that we're on the other side of this, do you feel like some of those students or friends or the communities they're in went back to normal along with their same beliefs? Or do you see that maybe there's still hope and people are really are starting to question the ways of things in the world and so on? So far from what I've seen, this is like, we all just really moved on to everything. Like, I'm not going to say there's no people questioning anything or there's no one now coming out with questions. Like, I'm sure there are. But the only thing 
thing I've seen was new beliefs growing. For example, like I've seen more of Islam around. I think like the biggest reason everything's calmed down is because the whole COVID thing, it was all during election year. That's when everyone deep at the politics started strangling each other and everything. And I mean, like for me, I already checked out, like not because I think politics are evil. It's just that I feel like <laughs> for me, just like <laughs> Bro, you're like, I'm, I'm waiting to be raptured here. Dude. I'm, I'm done. <laughs> When's the left behind movie coming out? I'm done. <laughs> No, it's not that. It's just that. This is just for me. Like, if you still want to get into politics, go ahead. For me, I feel like God showed me something that, like, I realized I could make a change with the gospel outside of politics. So let the gospel be the number one thing in your life because that's the only thing that can fix things. Like I said earlier, if the gospel can't fix it, nothing can fix it. And this is key. What we mean is essentially it's, we talked about this earlier about, you know, what unifies us. What was your experience like navigating not only culturally in the society, on the campus, what have you, but also as a believer, as a Christian, navigating that being a first or second generation international student who's coming into that reality? And do you identify still primarily as a Peruvian American or as your native ethnicity? Or have you completely divorced that and just said, nope, I'm an American, I'm a Christian, I'm a believer, that type of thing? Go ahead. I um I want to say I'm an international student because I grew up my entire life here in the U.S. But like my family's from, you know, my parents are from Peru. So I think that's why Jason decided to call me that because even though I grew up my whole life here, I'm raised in a different culture. I'm raised in the Latino culture. I think that's why it's so different. But like your question was, how have I been able to manage all that when I entered campus? For me, it was like I've already fought all those battles before entering college. I already had managed to get through that through middle school and high school. Now, if you're asking me whether or not do I identify as American. I was always Christian first because that's what's most important. Am I still proving American? Of course, that's just what I am. Now, do I have like more loyalty towards one side towards the other? It was always 50-50, but like my heart's been going out more towards Peru. There's like several reasons from family to political climate because like right now, as we're recording this recently, current president, Pedro Castillo, who many Peruvians thought was going to be our own Evo Morales, he ended up trying to abolish Congress and the Peruvian military threw him in jail. So now we have our first female person in Peru, but not everyone's excited about that. Most of the rural native communities, they're all violently protesting. People are dying. That's so important, you know, because we talked earlier about the Apostle Paul, even the disciples, you know, what was happening during the time of these major changes in the culture is that you had these political and spiritual humanitarian issues. It's like Christ shows up in the midst of this. And what's interesting is the same challenges you're having were the same issues the Jewish people who follow Jesus had. Their identity, even when they gave their lives to Christ, like they weren't just calling themselves Christians. They were Jews that started to follow Christ the way followers of the way. That was what the Romans, I think the Greeks would call them. There's the same draw in a strange way. You would think it would be Paul as a religious leader, as a high level Pharisee to go and witness to Jewish people. And yet God wants him to witness to Gentiles. And then Peter, who was obviously not maybe the most educated of the bunch, but definitely knew enough, was called to go preach to the Jews. And I think that's something profound about that. So maybe just with your own identity and perspective, you say that your first lineage, your citizenship, what have you, is in heaven, kingdom of God, right? But there's this divide on your ethnicity and your cultural background in terms of like your national identity. And I think that's really important is because when we're talking about who we really are at the end of the day, we're children of God, but we still have to live, breathe, and interact and exist in the flesh in our human ways. Any thoughts on that before we close out the episode? There's so much divide because each person's coming at a different way to look at the world. And if Christians want to win, you could debate the science and all that, but like 
like the gospel is where the change is really going to happen. Um, but back to the identity thing, sometimes it doesn't work out. That's why there's a big detransition movement in UK. I haven't done the deeper work in those areas, and I'm really not surprised when I hear that. I think this is why we go back to the standard of Christ, that there's no foundation that's laid other than Christ. And the gospel is because we see something consistent and reliable that touches way deeper than our perceived identity. It's our actual spiritual, it's the identity at the core of who we are. We're children of God. And I think that's the more important conversation. What do you think about that? Honestly, like I'm not the biggest expert in this issue and I haven't looked super deep into it, but like hearing about all the detransitions going on might end up happening in the US very soon. I just remembered like the entire chapter of Proverbs 1, which is to summarize in this eventually or later. I think like anything, until you've actually been touched or interacted with somebody that has been, whether practicing, just name any behavior. Like I'll tell you one thing that's not to deviate from the subject, but until I started partnering with my friend Nick on his platform, Miracles and Atheists, I think a lot of people, no matter what they identify with, their practices, their behaviors, because you know the big argument before transgenderism was homosexuality, and it's still an important argument, but I think it's more so like, okay, here's another decision point. You could be a straight, heterosexual sexual, God-fearing, male or female. And statistically, what I'm seeing is porn usage across the board has skyrocketed. We've talked about this on our past episode. It affects the church. It's affecting the culture. The Bible says the sexually immoral will not inherit the kingdom of God. What it doesn't say is the person in transition will not inherit the kingdom of God. But what it does say is the sexually immoral, the idolaters, people that are disobedient rebels. The point is, is we all are those people, which is why we need Christ. And I think think what you'll see is that people, as they start to put their faith in Jesus, as they start to align their lives to his standard, I believe will naturally, or I should say supernaturally, their lives will start to reflect Jesus. And here's what's interesting. It was more important for God, for us to get outside of ourselves and our own thinking, our own desires, whether you desire to be one gender or the other, whether you desire to cheat or even desire truth and righteousness apart from God, because plenty of people, I think, try to live moral lives and may or may not realize they're borrowing that from a higher standard. And Summerine, I'm curious to get your input on this as well, is that what ultimately saves? What can we agree on? And how do we then live out what we believe in a way that becomes attractive to people that don't believe what we believe or practice what we believe? And that's a much different conversation than, well, we can't have our kids in these schools because of what they're teaching. We can't associate with these other people because of their practices. That's kind of silly. But I think that there's credence in the standpoint of you're going to absorb in some way, shape, or form what you associate with. Bad company corrupts good morals. The fruit of people's lives can spill over in good and bad ways to others. So we don't judge, but we have to have boundaries. We have to make sure we ourselves are doing the best we can to align ourselves with the standard of what we believe. So if the standard of what you believe is your own or the world's, what your neighbor does, or you're piecemealing from different sources and different laws and religions and philosophies, then you're always going to have this level of fluidity that shifts depending on what you're experiencing, how you personally feel. The more we take our lives off the standard, 
individually, corporately, as nations, you're going to start seeing these immoral practices manifest. And it's not just the homosexual behavior. It's not just all these licentious behaviors and things. It's actually, you're going to become more selfish and narcissistic, which then defaults to, I'm going to want to covet. Maybe I'm going to have a same-sex attraction and I'm going to search out wisdom apart from God so I can become wise in my own eyes. You're bearing the fruit of a godless lifestyle, which naturally is going to tend to, well, I'm going to worship another man in its most fullest extent. If you're a woman, I'm going to worship another woman because that's the standard I'm replacing with Jesus. Does that make sense? I mean, that's that's my best attempt to answer that from a theological perspective. Yeah, that's interesting. If you were to ask me what I really think about the whole thing, like since high school, I've seen OBGT thing stuff all the time. So for me, it's there and that's not going to change. But what can change is the hearts of people. It really does take a moment that fast just to change a heart. It took them that fast to change Saul's heart and made it that fast to change many people in present life. But like, I think the most important thing you need to know is just like, no matter what you identify as, there's still a God in heaven who loves you no matter what. And he may not agree with you, but if you give him a chance and if you surrender to him, he'll form you into something better. Ooh. Lots of things I do that God doesn't agree with, and I love him. I, I remember hearing Francis Chan once said, when you follow God, are you going to continue to trust him even when you don't agree with him? And yeah, there are things I don't agree with God as well, but I trust him no matter what. Francis Chan, it's a man. All right, as we're closing out the episode, any books, resources, encouraging words, scripture, something that comes to your heart? Yeah, we talked about The Chosen. We talked about New Testament and the Gospels. A little bit about politics and obviously the LGBTQ and transgenderism when that got slipped in there. Maybe overall, what do you really want to impart to people listening to this podcast? Maybe people that haven't heard this conversation or have been seeking and just haven't had that encounter with Jesus. What do you want to lead people with? I mean, if we're talking about resources, the number one resource you can have is the Bible. You know, study the scriptures, go to like Spotify, you can get an audio version. The Bible has audio versions. Like, that's what I do. Or even visual movie versions because like, I know a lot of people in this age, especially me, I am cheeks at reading. So I have to get the scripture some other way and listening to it is how I learn. And honestly, it's beautiful. So that's one resource. Another resource is Angel Studios. The clarify we are not sponsored by them to my knowledge and I am not paid to say this. I'm just saying this because I feel like it. Yeah, Harold wants you to invest in the Angel Productions because he's a seed investor. That's why. Yeah, I'm a seed investor. Yeah, I am. Angel Studios is a family and even faith-based company that makes many shows. Like, they're behind many other successes apart from The Chosen, like Dry Bar Comedy and Testament. That's a series coming out. So I've invested in that because I know that's whoo, that's going to be powerful. You don't need to invest a lot, but when you plant a seed and have faith in it, it will grow. Not to be prosperity people because there's no guarantee guarantee money grows there are things that grows apart from money there are many more important things than money so angel studios have plenty of other good shows like especially if you want to know like good storytelling angel studios has that like one show i'm blacking right now it's the wing feather saga like based off of a novel series that was a family friendly novel series not a pixar type show on it i believe the first three episodes in this recording are already out yeah that's pretty good there's also season two coming out soon so that's gonna grow too i'm confident of it Great. Yeah, we'll put some links and resources in the show notes. Um, I'll put a few recommends as well. For hardcores that like to read books, we'll drop some good resources in there. You know, since we touched on a lot of topics, some sensitive topics as well, I haven't done this. It's so strange. It's usually when I have you on the podcast where we actually do kind of like an altar call here. But for those maybe who have been listening to this podcast, like if this content connected with you and you just never really made that personal decision in your heart to accept Jesus as Lord, how can people do that? And what would you recommend for them once they do that or to encourage them on the way. 
Um, first of all, I'd like to thank God and Jason for allowing me to um, be here. It's been a blessing to see him in person and allow us to speak together. I know that a lot of people here are listening. We all have our own struggles. We're all in our different paths of life here. I don't know why so many people listen to me. Like, I may not be nothing special, but it happens. So because of that, I feel like I have some responsibility to um, say some things to you guys. You know, I'm a sinner just like everyone else. And because of that, I've done many things in my life that I regret. But I know that all things work for good. and. I'm forgiven because the one who forgave me. I know so many people here are struggling with their identities as well, and I understand that. The Lord Jesus Christ is the only thing I need. In Him, He's more than enough. And it is in Lord Jesus that everything will be okay. There is clarity in everything because of Him. Not everything is known. Things are still a mystery. But what we need is all given to us through the Scriptures. So take the chance when you have to surrender to God and to accept His love. Tomorrow's not guaranteed. No matter what legacy we leave behind, what we jump into after will either be heaven or hell. If you want the gift of Jesus Christ and he'll accept you, it is not by works, but by faith and repentance. So God, give us the strength and wisdom to be more like you in every single way and give all of us, Lord, your hope and salvation. And Lord Jesus, may you be glorified in all we do and may everything that's ours be yours. Gloria a ti, Jesus Cristo. In nombre del Padre, Hijo y Espíritu Santo. Amen. Praise God. All right. Uh, well, Harold, it's been great having you back on the podcast, even in my living room. I want to say not only thank you, but I want to give you a gift on behalf of the ministry. We have a chosen calendar right here. Isn't that pretty cool? Yeah. Thank you. Look, John, I see John's a roomie over here. Yeah. Yeah, that's right, man. So uh, if you guys want to get in touch with uh, Harold, how can they uh, get a hold of you? Are you opening up that door or what? If I ever re-download Instagram, you can always find me there. But be sure to go to the right profile because I had one that was hacked. So it's the real Harold Silva at Instagram. Okay, I might like send Jason the link and like place it in there. But if you want to get a hold of Harold, just reach out through the ministry. We'll see if we can get you in touch. If people want to reach out to you and talk to you, is that cool? That sounds like a better idea. And if you ever come across a fake account, feel free to report for me. I don't want to get deleted. That's crazy. If you, if you see that old account deleted for me, please. Thank you. Well, I guess I just wanted to say, brother, like, thank you. Thank you for being a part of this experience. And um, I'm really proud of you. Yeah, you all go to God. It was a pleasure. Thank you for listening to another exciting episode of Solomon's Knot, a production of 4campus.org and its associated partners. Please consider leaving a quick five-star review on any of your preferred podcasting platforms. These reviews help SK become more easily searchable for students or those seeking truth and wisdom in the current age. So until next time, this is your host, Jason, signing off. Peace.